Hey, it's the Image Doctors Photography Podcast, and I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And it's good to be back. Thanks for joining us today as we talk about all things photography. Um, and uh, we have some photography stuff to talk about. Go figure. So we Imagine uh, we did some, we actually did some, um, we've been doing a lot of stuff together, but um, this week we were able to photograph an air show here in Colorado. And that's something we haven't had here in Colorado very often, much recently, other than our sort of routine uh, Thunderbirds showing up for the United States Air Force Academy graduation. But that's not mm -hmm. one you can get really close to. So this was no. fun. We had an air show at our local airport and um, realized we've done an air show before and we just dug up those. And it was 2008. <laughs> so, that's hard to believe. So it's been a little while um it has uh so you know only 14 years later so our gear <laughs> that's stunning actually it, it, yeah <laughs> our gear has evolved a little bit uh so to put it in perspective the last time we shot an air show i was just looking at my pictures and i think we had almost identical kits that year mm -hmm. uh, we were shooting a d700 for sort of the wide angle stuff full frame and then d300 for the flying stuff with a 200 to 400 f4 vr which is a pretty mm -hmm. good lens so we were taking advantage of the faster frame rate of the d300 and the dx crop and that was on a hot august afternoon in indianapolis <laughs> so yeah it was a great air show one problem we had that time though was a little bit of a white sky syndrome which is awfully tough and we didn't have that this year, fortunately. Yeah, very common in the Midwest to get that sort of, it's not overcast, but it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that, and that's actually one of the things um, we should probably talk about is the, you know, when we saw the air show um, advertised, <clears throat> we looked to see where it was going to be held and where the runway was. We looked on the map and looked at the angle of the sun more or less using something like photo ephemeris or something like that, I think. Um, and this was pretty favorable. So mm -hmm. um, you're never going to get an air show where they start and you have nice 8 a.m. to start time for, and you get that nice soft golden hour light. Not yeah. going to happen. It's always going to be middle of the day to early to mid afternoon. And so in this particular case, we were lucky because we were shooting um, more or less due east. So to the east, to the north a little bit um and that helps a lot um because the planes were passing in front of us to the east and uh that meant the sun while overhead was still front lighting them somewhat um and in yeah, the past I'd say we we had good light on the aircraft yeah um the, one of the challenges we had at the indianapolis air show is that we were situated on a north I think the runway ran east-west and we were to the north of it. So we were shooting into the sun. We were shooting south. And in the northern hemisphere, the sun is always a little bit in the south. Um, and that made it for some backlit stuff that I know was just very difficult. Plus that yeah. that sort of overcast sky that we had. But whatever. We had bluebird skies, perfect, perfect temperature. It was a great day to be out um, for an air show. So... Um, I brought my Z9 and 100 to 400 uh, Z mount lens. What did you bring? I brought a Fuji, actually, uh, an X-H2S. 
which is their camera that has the subject rec recognition um, features in it, you know, including airplane recognition, which is kind of handy for what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like a lot of other things that we've talked about recently, you know, you can, if you choose to go with electronic shooter, shutter, shoot very, very quickly, you know, like 40 frames per second or whatever. I didn't do that. Um, I didn't really need to. But it's a nice camera. We can talk more about it some other time. But then I used yeah. a, a Fuji 100 to 400 um, zoom. So it was the equivalent of a 150 to 600 right, uh, right. lens. And that was nice because I you know, was just using 26 megapixels. So it was nice to be able to zoom in a little bit more. Yeah. I, I definitely took advantage of it. Now, there's some challenges with that as well. <laughs> Sure. Discovered. Um, well, different kind of thing, but yes. Yeah. So I guess what we should talk about. I mean, first of all, it was a great air show, and I'm really glad they they put it on because we saw some we saw some aircraft that neither of us had seen um, flying before. Some old. They had a lot of good World War II uh, warbirds, and um, we've got. Mm -hmm. You've already posted a few pictures out on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. I saw. I saw, and they look a lot like my pictures. Go figure. Um, Imagine that we were sitting know. about four feet apart. <laughs> yeah, um, and then and we had some cool um, military jet demos. We had uh, F-18s, but they were the electronic warfare variant, so that was kind of neat. Um, Two seater, some different kind, you know, different look, and they, they flew in a mm -hmm. pair, which was kind of fun because you get different angles and stuff. And then we saw a demo of the uh, the new F thirty five, which is totally wild, you know, fifth generation, very new uh, aircraft. And so I hadn't ever seen. I think I've seen one flying around here before because they'll go into the Air Force base down the down the way, but never seen a demo of one. And it was outstanding. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the flight the flight characteristics of that aircraft will will hurt your head if you're not. If you're not expecting it, they they just defy physics. It looks like in some ways. Yeah, I may have gotten to flown a an F thirty five flight simulator at a very early date. I'll just say that, but it, it was fun to see it. And if people don't know already, both of us, you know, are aviation buffs. We both built model airplanes when we were little and model rockets and all that kind of stuff. So it's always fun. You yeah. know, we we like the history. There were some cool planes there, and it was it was just nice, nicely done. Yeah. The only so the, challenge I thought, and I'll kind of lead this off, is mm -hmm. we were almost too close. <laughs> well, and and this is what you run into with the you know we could talk about some of these challenges. So the first is where's mm -hmm. the light coming from? So that we had pretty good. That was good. You know, we 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 didn't have that problem, um, and we we had a good feeling about that. Um, but here's what. I started to to see and you know you can see these planes coming from quite a distance away and even if you're using you know a 600 millimeter lens at distance at those far distances well first of all they're very small in the frame but thermal distortion oh my pretty gosh. much ruins your images i mean you just you can't be that far away now let's just compare notes here because i'm kind of curious if you saw the same thing the plane started flying around 12. Mm-hmm and they finished around what was it 330 or so something, something like, like that. that any rate the early stuff man i had a lot of thermal problems so i think the air was just unstable yeah i would agree time but it you know 
man. <laughs> but I mean, if you were thinking that you could go to this air show set up on a tripod with a big 600 or even, you know, the one of those 800s, mm -hmm. you would be very disappointed because yeah, you'd be able to, you know, get a larger image from farther away, but they would be just ruined by, by thermal um, artifacts you know, thermal distortion. Um, and then when, when you have a big lens like that, when they do come when they're past, like you were saying, almost too close. So at that point, panning became really challenging because these things would whiz by it, you know, several hundred miles an hour in some cases. <laughs> now, um, with the propeller-driven uh, aircraft, you know, the tip we'd had and, you know, one of our uh, readers on our Facebook page even pointed this out. So we'll bring it up is, you know, the idea what you want to do in ideal situation is shoot with a slower shutter speed, something around 250th of a second to 525th, you know, or, it just or depends whatever. on how much prop blur you want to have. Right. The idea is you want the propellers to be blurred and not frozen in space. And that's what we did in Indy, for example. But I think you know, we were just so close and the angles that we were seeing the aircraft from were so severe and things changed so quickly that, like you said, it was very difficult to keep them framed and, and panning was a real challenge. The thing I ran into with the Fuji 100 to 400, and I'm just going to have to do some more experiments with it. It's a lens I've owned for years now. It's supposed to have an automatic panning recognition mode if you're panning horizontally. And I'm pretty sure I've done that in the past and it worked fine. I think this was just so quick that it could not keep up. And maybe there's a, an interaction with the subject recognition stuff too. I don't know. I'll have to experiment. But after a while, I just gave up on having um, stabilization. And as soon as I flipped it off, it was a piece of cake. Now, I couldn't get sharp shots at, you know, lower oh, shutters. Same here. It wasn't an issue of the stabilization. The issue was the subject motion. You mm -hmm. know, so you have to move the camera. You have to pan. And trying to get a smooth pan on these very rapidly moving subjects, you know, they're going left to right at 300 miles an hour in right some in cases. in front of us. yeah. It's almost impossible, and so uh, you know my keeper rate in terms of what I would consider you know, sufficiently sharp to work with was pretty low. Um, and it wasn't because of an autofocus issue. Because if I cranked up the shutter speed, I got more keepers. It's just then then you have the problem, the opposite problem. The propellers are kind of frozen, and it doesn't look natural. It looks like a plane, a model plane hanging <laughs> hanging in the sky. Yeah. I I know what my keeper rate was when I was shooting it. 250th of a second, 200th of a second in that range. It was exactly zero. Okay. I yeah, I'm not sure if I got any worthwhile one. ones other than things that were on the ground where they were more more static when they were on the well, those, yeah, you know, those were where easy. the props were turning. You know, I could do that. Do yeah. and it was fine, but no, it was it was tough. In fact, anything under a thousandth of a second when I was panning was really hard with the propeller. Uh, aircraft now with the jets it's easy you just crank up your shutter speed because they don't have yeah. moving parts like that so that's easy um compositionally um i did attempt a few verticals but mostly just went with a horizontal this time around because same here. moving from left to right same same thing but uh and we just shot handheld right i mean nothing yep 
I, I think a monopod would have just been a disaster because again, because of the angles. Well, you're going from something right in front of you to something that goes way up above you and you need to be able to do that. And we were sitting in bleachers. So it wasn't really conducive to having any support. We could have, I suppose we could have gone onto the tarmac. That's not a problem, but you know, it was nice. But one of the things we did do, and if your air show has this option is that we, we did spring for the, the photo pit area, which gave us a little bit more, space because they had a little bleachers set up you weren't in there with just everybody in the crowds trying to get to the front we had good access they had some shade water that kind of stuff it was highly great. recommended um if they offer something like that um so and to be clear we came away with some, some shots that we both like oh absolutely so this was nowhere close to being a failure you know i would have liked maybe a little bit more prop blur but i i got over that in a hurry well, um, and, and, you know, some of the great aircraft shots that have the good prop blur, mm -hmm. um, they're not panning when they're taking those shots. In fact, a lot of those great shots, um, Moose Peterson comes to mind. He's doing them from another aircraft. Sure. At the right time of day, and he's looking down on them. And they're really just kind of in one spot. So all, all you, I mean, and I'm not saying it's easy, but what I'm saying is you're not panning. And, and when you're not panning, you can get the prop blur and you can slow your shutter speed down a little bit and, and it works and VR will do the rest um, because the relative motion is not as extreme. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean, I love his shots. I think they're, they're fantastic, but trying to shoot from the ground in the middle of the day, get slower shutter speeds. means stopping way down and, you know, doing crazy things like that, but we, we managed to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so then we come home, we take, had to download all those photos um sift through them and triaging this kind of shot is like triaging sports or birds or whatever anything with high volume you want to be able to whip through them real fast but uh and you're just looking for subtleties in terms of sharpness you know any differences in focus but in this case more a matter of motion blur or composition yeah and what i found was this is where I'll tend to go with a, a two pass approach in this case, because sharpness was the limiting factor because of the motion mm -hmm. blur. I just went through the first pass and just tagged anything that was acceptably sharp to me. Um, and then winnowed that down and then looked at that subset and said, okay, now which ones of these have the better angle or the better composition mm -hmm. or the better prop or whatever. And um, so, so I took 2000, almost 2,100, um, captures and I knocked it down to like 345 <laughs> or so. Mm -hmm. And then from there I go and knock it down to the, you know, cause I've got multiple redundant images. I don't need 500 shots of a, of a PBY Catalina, although it's a cool plane. Um, yeah. So that's when we're going to start. Now we can talk about what we mentioned last week was using the Topaz photo AI product, this plugin, which, which is a, a tool that integrates the functions of three of their current plugins, sharpening, noise reduction, and then resizing. And it really is a nice plugin. The, um, the best thing about it is, you know, each of those uh, effects or processes can affect the others. If you resize right. something, you're typically going to need to sharpen a little bit more you may have no, more noise reduction or noise issues um, so it's wonderful to have them packaged uh, 
together so mm. you can see the combined effects. That's just brilliant. And it worked just fine on our new Mac studios that we both have, you know, pretty zippy. Oh my God, is it a slug on my <laughs> just a, a few years old MacBook Pro, which is so an Intel Mac. Yeah, it's an Intel i9, pretty high end one. But oh my gosh, you know, we're talking like seven or eight minutes to process one image. Did a great job. And I, if that's all I had, I would absolutely still use it because it does some great stuff. But I think there's some tuning going on. And we were both operating with the 1.0.1 version. Well, so this is a 1.0. It's, it's very it's new. Very new. It just came out. And my hunch is that they're still tweaking the code optimization for, for various processors. And one thing about any of these AI products, they do require more horsepower from a computer. Yes. Older computers are going to have a very hard time running AI-based software. It's just that's the they, they need a lot more power processors, GPU, all the stuff we were talking about in our computer episode a couple of weeks or a week ago. Um, and, and so, you know, even with this, like the initial model building where it goes through and analyze the image, it takes a little while, even on my brand new Mac. So, I mean, it takes a little while, mm -hmm. then it's okay, but it's not going to take 10 minutes either. So, so that's a good thing. So um, one thing we should point out, if you already owned the three, Topaz AI plugins, the Gigapixel, Noise, uh, Denoise, and, and, and um, Sharpen AI, then I believe you're, as long as you're currently under the maintenance plan, you know, the licensing uh, upgrades, you can get this for free. Yeah, that's certainly what I did. So you just go and just log into your existing Topaz dashboard, your account, and just that product should show up. If not, I think it's discounted right now. I think it's about a hundred bucks. But um, my hunch is that that's going to be a very good uh, use of a hundred dollars because I see this these products becoming more and more um, useful and much more valuable to my toolkit than other sharpening and noise reduction tools in the past. And this integrated approach that you're mentioning, now you've got all three of these things and they can work with each other in real time. You can preview that and it takes away a lot of the guesswork. Yeah, and I, I used all of the features, although noise reduction wasn't really an issue. You know, we, uh, the ISOs that we were at were relatively low for the most part. So it was... I let it do a little cleanup on the sky, but there wasn't a whole lot there. So it was mainly the sharpening and it does a great job, you know, compensating for motion blur or other things. And, you know, like, like we were talking about, there were some atmospheric effects that came in at times too. So it, it cleaned that stuff up pretty decently. And then, you know, I was cropping in on a 26 megapixel sensor. So I used the resize thing. Uh, on several images and it did a nice job. Yeah, it's, well, I'm going to say it in a different way. So mm -hmm. I, I told you I was tossing out a lot of, you know, blurred images. Mm -hmm. I kept a couple because there was one aircraft that I really liked. It was the Corsair, uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the classic, you know, Pacific theater Navy, um, you know, and it but it was, was the one made by the company that went bankrupt while making them, 
and they weren't very reliable. They had some quality <laughs> controls issue on there. Yeah, so yeah. so the, the the aircraft is supposed to be in an F4U, but it was actually this variant was an F3 something or other. But anyway, um, I read up on the Wikipedia page or whatever what it was yeah. about him. Um, that being said, it was cool because not only was he flying it around, but he was doing aerobatics in it because this thing had been completely restored from the ground up. It was totally rebuilt, so mm -hmm. it was sturdy enough to do this. Um, and he had some nice passes where, you know, they're kind of banked and you can see the, the canopy and the pilot and everything. Mm -hmm. And I had a shot that, I mean, if I sent it to you, if I just sent it to you the out of the camera shot or whatever, you would have just said, that's a reject. Mm -hmm. You would not have pushed the keep button on it because it was that it was soft enough that there was just like, there was nothing I could do in Lightroom that was going to make that picture usable. You know, it would be what I would beat up my clients it was an aspirational photo it's mm -hmm. one that had the potential the composition the angle and it wasn't like it wasn't focused right it was just the motion blur kind of killed it mm -hmm. i ran it through that photo ai and my jaw hit the floor it restored all of the detail i think i sent you a copy of the before and after um the other day you would never know. It was it was insane how good. I mean, all of the cockpit detail detail came back. Now, mind you, this was not like a totally out of focus, you know, smeared shot, but it was not mm -hmm. sharp. It was not sharp in the least. Um, and what I was able to achieve with that was nothing short of amazing. I mean, it was magic almost. Um, the, the one thing I'll say, and this isn't true just for photo AI or you know the Topaz Sharpen AI. It's true of many of the competing products too, they have a tendency because it's good marketing to over sharpen. Sure. And that is still true with photo AI. So, you know, it, it, if you allow it to automatically calculate a sharpening amount and let's say it comes up with 40, then I would back down to 30 or 25 typically, and then it would be fine. But if you just let it go, it, it's going to over sharpen right. almost certainly. Now, this and, particular plugin um, works both in Lightroom and in Photoshop mm -hmm. and as a standalone. And it does support raw files um, and it will export your raw file after it saves it in, in DNG format typically, or you can tell it to make something else. But mm -hmm. um, uh, one little um, minor thing is that some of these products, including the Topaz ones, including DN, uh, DxO's Pure Raw product that we've talked about before, they they don't always handle the Z9's new high efficiency raw format Nikon came out with. Mm -hmm. um, they can handle the lossless compressed files, but not the the new one. That is probably going to be changing too, because I think that that spec just came out. But anyway. Um, the workaround that I did was just convert my NEF file to a DNG. I didn't lose anything. It came back. And then I would bring it back in as raw with the sharpness and stuff applied to mm -hmm. it. Um, and I could then just process it. Um, or you can use it in Photoshop. And if you use it in Photoshop, you can't do the upscale piece. I was just going to mention that. So, yeah. so that's just a thing that's just to be aware of. Um, but man, does it do some amazing work. I mean, like I said, there were some shots that there was no way I would have thought it was salvageable. And to me, this is transformational technology. It's a game changer. Yeah, it truly I mean, is. 
And I'm not being paid by Topaz to say that. No, neither am I. And ne- no, neither of us are, full yeah. disclosure. I mean, that's... Yeah, uh, we're not. Um, but it is, da- it is damn good. Just the main thing I would say is um, try, you know, run the trial first and see how it does in your system. You may need to wait a little while for them to do some further tuning. But based on what we've both seen with their previous products, they were great at aggressively improving those i mean really good so i don't think it's terribly high risk to to get them now and expect some improvements but it'd be better for you to check it out on your own system especially if it's if it's an older one it may just be a little bit too slow to be really workable for you you'll have to see but it's magic it's incredible so anyway i have now shots um that i uh didn't think I would be keeping that I kept. <laughs> so yeah, was, yeah. And to me, that's a winner. Yeah, uh, it's great stuff. So really happy with that. So that's that. Like I said, uh, like you mentioned, it was a w- version was one point oh one. So and 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 in um in context, one point only came out like a week or two ago. Right. And there was always a there was already been a maintenance update to to improve with a fair number of fixes in it. So that's kind of cool. So anyway, that's we will give that one i think two strong thumbs up for now that's mm-hmm. that's going into my bag as a probably must have um so yeah. anyway very happy with that it was fun um it's sto- it's it's actually kind of interesting that we were shooting completely different camera systems and yet we both had the same challenges so this is mm-hmm. you know it's not like oh that was a fuji thing or a nikon oh, no, thing no, or you know no, it's no. not it, it's it's these are the situations that that can be very um demanding of our equipment yeah so but i will say the focus was not an issue no it worked well all right well um without anything else to talk about um why don't we wrap up today's show and we'll be back again in another week with um hopefully something interesting to discuss yeah we haven't figured out what what it is yet but we'll we'll work on it well, that's where you guys out there in listener link can help us out. You know, drop us a note on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash image doctors. Give us some ideas, questions, whatever you might have. And we'd be happy to use that on the air. Yep. All, All right. right. We'll see you next time. Happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.